Somebody praise the name of the Lord tonight. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. So good to be with you. Pastor's continuing his much-deserved uh, vacation. He called and asked me to fill in, and it is an honor and a privilege, as always, to be in this pulpit, to preach to this church, to bring the word tonight. I do feel like I have a word from the Lord, something that's been resting on my heart and mind for several days now. Uh, even before a pastor called me and asked me to preach, I didn't know when or where I would uh, preach it. I thought maybe I would teach it in my Wednesday night class. wasn't 100% sure, and then this opportunity came up. And I want to just present a basic thought to you tonight, and it's something that we all know in our heart of hearts. It's something that we would all, uh, hopefully, we would all say yes and amen to. And it's this simple thought that God is a good God. God is a good God. And I know in your life and at times in my life, you go through situations and times and struggles um, where it might seem like the Lord has turned his face from you. Um, but I want you to know, in spite of life's circumstances, God is a good, good God. And that is the basic premise of the message tonight. Before we jump into it, we want to do our declaration, if they would go ahead and put that on the overhead. If you would stand with me, we'll do our declaration. And let's believe this tonight. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. Somebody say amen. And we will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody say amen and once again give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated. Just a simple verse of scripture found in Psalm chapter 9. One verse of scripture, Psalm chapter 9 and verse 10. And it says this, that those who know your name trust in you because you have not abandoned those who seek you, Yahweh. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty and in the strong and in the precious name of Jesus Christ, it's who we come to you in. Lord, this is your word. And God, you have graced us with your word. It's by your word, Lord, that we live and we move, God. We understand who you are. God, it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, according to Psalm 119. And Lord, tonight we pray that you would take this word. This, your written word, God, that you have inspired in my heart. God, I believe it's quickened of the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you would help me to preach it and bring it with passion. God, with clarity, with an anointing that would touch the hearts and minds of your precious people. God, tonight I pray that you would remind them of your goodness. I pray, Lord, that you would touch their hearts in spite of uh, the, the trials, and the struggles, and the tribulations that come upon us, God. In your heart of hearts, God, in your very essence, you are a good God. And Lord, we know that down deep, but Lord, it's, it's hard at times in our humanity and our frailty, God, to accept that and live that. But Lord, tonight, by faith, we, we choose to accept that fact that you are a good God. And Lord, I pray that hearts and minds would be changed and touched and set ablaze for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Again, the message is, he is a good, good God. At the heart of every person's faith in Christ lies the essence of their relationship, be it good or bad, with Christ. You know, there's people that are saved, truly saved, I believe, that really just don't have a very good relationship with the Lord. In terms of just a relational thing, they don't have a strong, strong bond. And I want you to understand this, that God is after a relationship with you. He wants to be so much more than just your Savior at the moment of your conversion. God 
is after relationship with you. Imagine if you got married and your spouse, you're at the wedding day and you exchange vows and you exchange rings and the commitment and the husband kisses the bride and and, and while you are married, while you are technically in relationship, if you, 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 are, you are in a, a union, if you have no relationship, if there is no intimacy there, you might be bound together, so to speak, but God is after relationship with his people. And relationship with God is what makes the New Testament so much better than the Old Testament law because it's a whole new covenant. And we get the word intimacy in the sense of it means, the very word intimacy means into me see. When we are in an intimate relationship with the Lord, we are inviting him to come and look and peer into our very lives and see us in our vulnerable state. And what's so passionate and awesome about it is that God invites us to do the same about him. He invites us into a relationship and intimacy with him. We see it in scripture that God is even relational within himself, within the Trinity. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is a relational dynamic. Uh, Jesus even called his disciples friends. In Matthew chapter 11, he referred to his, his disciples as friends and brothers and sisters and even in his mother. He was using relational uh, 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 phrases and words to, to bring about the truth of the kind of relationship that he wants. And on and on and on I could go with examples. And hopefully you understand and you believe it within your heart that God wants an intimate relationship with you. And I also, also hope you understand and truly believe in your heart that God is good. You, you need to get this tonight. God is good Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that God is good in spite of the doctor's report? Do you believe that God is good in spite of your financial woes? Do you believe that God is good in spite of the the relational dynamics that may be going on in your marriage with your children and on and on and on? Life struggles. Do you believe that in... In your heart of hearts, do you really believe that God is good? Now listen, I'm not up here tonight to preach some kind of uh, a message on apologetics and trying to prove to you through scripture and some kind of fancy term that God is good. But can you say that God is good based on your personal relationship with Him? Can you say that God is good when what about your relationship with him let you say so what about your experiences with God lets you say that he truly is good what have you witnessed and what can you testify about that lets you say that God is a good God and I'm trusting that your experiences with God in spite of life's circumstances at times will let you see that the Bible is true when it says in 1 Chronicles 16 and 34, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Psalm 25 and 8 says this, that God, uh, good and upright is the Lord. Psalm 34 and 8 declares this, that, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Psalm 100 verses 4 and 5 declares, Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And I could go on and on and on with many scriptures that declare the goodness of God. But when you look in scripture, we understand that God in his very essence and his his disposition toward us, he is good in spite of life's circumstances. And even though God is good, and I think down deep most, most Christians would profess that we know it to be a biblical truth. I think sometimes people lose focus. I think sometimes people lose heart. I think sometimes people lose their first love. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4 points that out. People lose their first love. Here's the key point tonight. God is a good God. So what's one of the things that, that comes up in our life that 
throws a wrench in the cog, so to speak, in our belief and our understanding. And it's this, is that relationships can be hard to navigate at times. How many of you can testify to that? And I felt the Lord direct me to one point, and it's, it's a point of not, not danger, so to speak, but it's just a point that we need to be aware of that can happen in our own lives if we're not careful. It's something that we have to watch, uh, watch out for, especially in our walk with the Lord, and it's this, we have to be careful of indifference. Indifference. Indifference within a relationship is a dangerous thing. I'll be honest with you, when I was, even last night, I had already prepared this message. I'm telling you, the Lord is so good. We talk about the goodness of the Lord. I I wasn't 100% sure this was the message for this particular setting. And and I had already had my notes up, and I was just kind of walking by faith. I thought, okay, Lord, this is what I'm going to preach. I was a little bit nervous on it. I was a little unsettled in my spirit. And I lay down in bed last night, and it's kind of my custom. I was laying there, and and the first thing I'll do is I'll turn the TV on, and it's just natural for me to lay down in bed, turn the TV on, and I'll fall asleep watching television. And, and this word the Lord had given me days and days ago, it just kept coming up, indifference. Indifference. And I thought, Lord, what, what is this? So I began to study it out. What's the context? How does this apply? Uh, what are you trying to say to your people? What are you trying to say? I thought I was going to teach it to my Wednesday night class. What are you trying to say? And I wasn't exactly sure. And all of a sudden, I kid you not, the Lord is so good. I kid you not, God, this happened. Lord is my witness, this happened. I, was, I lay down in the bed and I turned on TV. I, I wasn't even sure what channel the television would come on. And all of a sudden, there was a TV preacher by the name of Terry Christ. Some of you may have watched this program last night. I didn't even know what was on TV. Didn't even know what channel the television was on. And I cranked it on. And as soon as the first word out of his mouth was indifference... And it was in the middle of a sentence that he was, and it was like the Lord just said, there you go. God confirmed. And all of a sudden, any kind, I just, I thought, all right. And I'll tell you what, it was just like throwing gas on a fire whenever that happened. And it just confirmed in my spirit. And this is what I feel like what the Lord was trying to convey to you all tonight. And it's this, is that, again, we have to watch out for indifference. You know, in a relationship, it's not always a lack of trust that will kill a relationship. It's not always a lack of trust that will kill a relationship. It's not even always a lack of communication that will be the death of a relationship. Now, I'm not saying it won't, that it can't, but it's not always that. It's not always even arguing amongst couples and people that will destroy a relationship. It's not always angry tirades. It's not always um, a lack of respect that will cause a relationship to dissolve or maybe even an indiscretion. But I believe the most dangerous thing to any relationship and especially amongst people or even one's relationship with Christ is indifference. Just indifference. When you get to this point in this place in your walk with the Lord where you just don't care. You've hung up all emotional tie. In fact, I believe Revelation, it doesn't use the word indifferent, but it it basically gives the same essence and meaning where it talks about in Revelation chapter 3, where it talks about being lukewarm. You just don't care. You've gotten past all of the emotional baggage. You've gotten past all of the emotional things. And you get to this place of indifference. Relationships of any sort that are experiencing indifference for very long rarely make it. Indifference in this sense means that you are running on an autopilot. Maybe there's communication Maybe, it's, maybe there's even communication between couples or maybe it's communication between you and the Lord, but it's just this shallow talk. It's where your relationship has hit this point where everything becomes nothing more than ritual and routine for the sake of just keeping up appearances. You go through the pattern of relationship, but there's really nothing there drawing or keeping you together. And as crazy as it sounds... You can even be in an argument with someone. Listen, listen to me. You can be in an argument with people. You can argue with people. And I'm not saying that's good, but at least there's communication. Are you hearing me now? 
Even if it's over a disagreement, at least when there's an argument, it shows that you care to the extent that you want something worked out. You're trying to come to a result. But when you get to the place of indifference, you've gotten way past all that. And now you're saying, I just, I'm just going to coast. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you say. It has no impact on me. I don't care if you offend me. I don't care if you like me. I'm totally indifferent. Indifference is a dangerous, dangerous place. Indifference is, I don't care what you do in our relationship. What a sad and scary and dangerous place to be in in any relationship, especially if people find themselves in that kind of a thing, in a relationship with Christ. Because you see, people can still come to church. You can still go through the pattern. You can still go through the motions. You can even keep up a certain level of communication, so to speak. But if there's a heart of indifference, are you hearing me tonight? Am I making sense? If there is a heart of indifference, then there is no, there's no, uh, nothing binding you, nothing for the relationship to grow on, nothing for anything to, to bounce off of and grow and develop and mature. But as I said earlier, God is a good God. I, I begin to think on this. Did you know... God has never been indifferent about you. God has never been indifferent about anything. He's never been indifferent about you. He has always had a passion for you. Let me, let me even say this. When we look in Scripture and we see times and moments when God would, would pour out judgment and He would pour out wrath, not that any of that's good in the terms of us receiving that. I don't mean to suggest that. But what I'm saying is at least it's a demonstration of his care. Never has God just simply said, I am so done with you, I'm going to treat you as though you don't even exist. As though you are of no consequence. As though you have no place or position that I should even worry or think or concern myself about you. Never has God ever been indifferent toward his people. Ever. God has never been indifferent. Not one place in Scripture. Now again, there's times that you'll see that God has been incredibly joyous over us. And we see in Scripture plenty of times where God has been incredibly angry. Where He's brought judgment, where He's brought wrath. But He has never cast us aside as a people to the point and to the extent that He puts us out of His mind and treats us like we don't have any value to Him. But that's what indifference does. Indifference removes the value of something or somebody. It says it is of no consequence. Now, why is that? Why is God like that? Because He is good. And even when things seem like they aren't going your way, and even when it seems like that maybe the world is coming against you and God is silent at times, He is not indifferent. And I ask you the question, a while ago when I said, do you believe that God is good? And everybody said yes and amen. Can I tell you, and do you believe that God has never been indifferent about you? Come on. God has never been indifferent about you. Many times people say, and, and they, they don't go around testifying. You'll never get anybody behind a pulpit and just say, well, praise God. God doesn't speak to me anymore. No, no, no. People will never say that. But in their heart of hearts, people go through the motions and they go through life where they act as though, well, God has been so silent toward me. He has been so silent about my life. I'm not sure God really cares. Of course he cares about you. Of course he does. He has never been indifferent about you. His silence is not a signal of indifference. My goodness. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 says this, that he, speaking of the Father, did not even spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also in addition with him give us everything? My goodness, if the Lord gave us his only son, the scripture goes on to say that he will give us everything in addition to that. Why in the world would he ever treat you as of no value, of no consequence? But so many people have bought a false perception of who God is. And they go through the motions. 
They, 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 they can even go, like I was talking about earlier in, in relationship types, they, they can have a certain level of communication to God. They can go through the motions. They can go through the patterns. They can go through relationship things. They, but in their heart of hearts, they feel like God doesn't value them. That maybe God really isn't as good as what the Scripture says. And I'm here to tell you tonight, God is a good, good God. Amen, church? He gave up His Son for us. He promises to take care of us. He has never been and never will be indifferent toward us. But what about us toward Him? Now, some of you are saying, well, Josh, we're the Sunday night crowd. Of course, we care about God. We've never been indifferent about God. Maybe I'm preaching to the wrong group. I don't know. You're saying, Josh, we're... We're not those that just go through the motions. It's not us, but maybe you know people that are indifferent toward God. You see, indifference can be a very deceiving thing. Indifference can be subtle. It can make you think that everything is okay, even though in reality it's not okay. And when indifference has set in, there's, maybe there's, no, there's not even any fighting, so everything appears to be okay on the surface. Maybe there's no arguing because you don't care if you're right or wrong or if you've hurt somebody else or they've hurt you. And you don't really care if there's any communication between you and God because you're just indifferent. Every day can go by in a vacuum of routine where everything seems to be okay when in all actuality it is not. Indifference is an illusion that you have allowed yourself to live in and you choose to live in that in spite of what the Word of God says. But a relationship with Christ is about learning to grow in Him. A relationship with Him and for others, and others for that matter, will teach you to grow as a person. It will teach you to communicate, to listen, to compromise, to give selfishly without expecting anything in return. And when you close yourself off to a relationship with Christ and you choose instead to go on living in a vacuum of lies and deceit that everything is okay when it isn't, you're fooling yourself. Am I making sense tonight, church? That's not faith in Christ. That's not relationship with the Lord. It's barely even living. Maybe I've hit a nerve tonight. I want to tell you, it's a choice to live that way. It is a choice to live that way. And there is nothing autopilot about a relationship with God or other people for that matter. Let me say that again. There is nothing autopilot about a relationship with God. Are you hearing me tonight? And when you close yourself down in a relationship, you shut, you shut yourself off from caring and from growth and learning and frankly living. Let me say this, this can happen slowly, slyly, almost unconsciously. But you must take an inventory of yourself and of your relationship with God and see what the result is. And then what are you going to do after that inventory? Let me tell you this, relationships are work. Amen. Oh, you sanctimonious people, raise your hand. There you go. Dear God, we're going to repent real quick before we move on. Relationships are work. And they are not an autopilot kind of thing. It requires a seeking. It requires a longing, a searching on our behalf. And let me say this, as I begin to study this out and look throughout Scripture, don't think that God doesn't constantly seek and search and long for us. Why? Because he's a good God. Throughout scripture, God reveals himself as a seeker. We find him on a continual pursuit of something. We see the Father seeking us in John chapter 4 and 23. We find him giving us a deeper glimpse of his heart by comparing himself with a shepherd who will leave the 99 and seek the lost one in Luke 15 verses 4 through 7. On and on and on we see the, the, the prodigal son story that's told. We see that he equates us to being a merchant seeking fine pearls in Matthew chapter 13 and on and on and on. I can go where God is constantly seeking and pursuing us and longing relationship. Why? Because he has never been indifferent toward us. He longs for you. You see, I believe that there is a place in God. 
I really do. I believe this. I believe there's a, a place in your, your, uh, your growth in God, your growth in your relationship with the Lord, where you will actually get to the point that you will want to seek Him. There's about two or three that agreed, so we know who you are. I ain't being mean. But how many of you, how many of you, let me say this, how many of you want to get to that place where you want to pursue him? You want to go after him. I want to pursue you, God. Can I tell you that sometimes that's work, that's effort. It's not easy. It's, it's not always this, you know, lounge chair Christianity where God just constantly doles it out. Sometimes there's a part we play where we have to seek and search and knock and long and ask and work and keep going through the process of trying to find the Lord. Many Christians don't understand that. I really believe that. I mean, I. Please, I'm not throwing stones to nobody in here, but I believe there's a lot of people that will sit there and say, yeah, I know that we're supposed to seek the Lord. But, but in their heart of hearts, do they really understand that the work and the discipline, all of it, it's worth it all. He is worth it. And, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead of my notes, but there, the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't know about you, but about my favorite dessert is apple uh, uh, cobbler. And when I have a taste of one that is really good, you better believe I'm going to go back for seconds. I'm going to keep tasting, and I'm going to keep longing, and I'm going to keep digging, and I'm going to keep putting more in my plate. And the same is true in the Lord in the sense that once you taste Him and you see that He really is good in spite of life's circumstances, you will want to pursue Him. You will never be indifferent toward Him because He's never been indifferent toward you. The theme text, Psalm verses 9 and 10. Some of you are saying, well, I was waiting for you to get there. Here we go. Those who know your name trust in you because you have not abandoned those who seek you, Yahweh. In other words, he's not indifferent. The psalm goes on to declare in Psalm chapter 10 verse 4, in all his scheming, the, hear me now, this is, this is something you need to hear. In all his scheming, the wicked arrogantly thinks, it's a thought, there is no accountability since God does not exist. One version of the, uh, translates that verse to say this at the end of that verse. It says, God is in none of his thoughts. Can, can I tell you what real wickedness is? Wickedness in the context of this verse simply is not taking the time to pursue this good God. Mic drop moment right there. It's simply not taking the time to pursue this good God. The context of this verse points out that it doesn't even consider him in any of his thoughts. That's, that's one definition of wickedness. We don't even, you know. I mean, you, you can go to church and not even give God a second thought. You can go through the religious motions of things. Wickedness doesn't seek God or pursue God through His Word or prayer or godly counsel or fasting. Wickedness doesn't try to create an atmosphere in your life where God is a priority relationship. And why is that? Why? Because I think down deep, and again, we have to watch for this in our walk with the Lord. I think the reason people do that sometimes is because of pride and arrogance. Can I tell you, there's no place for pride and arrogance in your walk with the Lord. Proud people think, they would, never, they would never dare say this out loud, but proud people think, well, I'm saved, I'm okay, I don't really have to see God. I'm saved, I'm okay. I remember when I was at the altar and six years old and I gave my heart to the Lord and I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. Thank God for that, but they don't give God a second thought after that. That's a proud person. That's somebody that hasn't even really given God a second thought. The Bible calls that wickedness. I didn't write it. He did. We, proud people will say, I've got plenty. Or they'll say to themselves, I can figure this thing out on my own. A person who seeks God, instead a person who seeks God will run to him first in everything. He is never the leftovers on your list of helpers. They will constantly go to the Lord first when the kids are sick. Yeah, I'll call the doctor. Yeah, I'll take him to the hospital. But the first person you better dial up is the Lord. 
When your relationship and your marriage is in trouble, yeah, I'll go to counseling, yeah, I'll I'll do all that stuff, but the first person you better dial up is the Lord. When the money is tight, yeah, I'll talk to financial counselors, yeah, I'll get a second job, yeah, do whatever you, use the God-given wisdom that you got, but you better call upon the Lord. Because people that are proud think to themselves, I don't have need of this. I can deal with this on my own. I can take care of it. The Bible simply calls that wickedness because you're not, you're, you're not bringing God into the equation. I ain't trying to be heavy, heavy-handed tonight. It's a humbling experience to search for the Lord like that because there's no room for pride. Notice how, God, notice how good God is in Psalm 34 verse 10. Listen to the scripture right here. Psalm 34, verse 10, it says, Young lions lack food and go hungry, but those that seek, listen to this, those that seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Can I tell you tonight, it's okay to be the aggressor in your relationship with the Lord. How many of you women, very few, how many of you women out here, you say, yeah, the man pursued me? Raise your hand. Yeah, the man, you, you tell what I'm t- raise your hand, ladies. You're married. Yeah, the man pursued me. Raise your hand. You're scaring me now. All right, the man pursued you. In other words, he was the aggressor in the relationship. There was something about you that he wanted, that he admired, that he longed for, and because of that, he went after that. Can I tell you, it's okay to be the aggressor in your relationship with the Lord. In fact, I believe the Lord almost invites that at times. We get in situations and circumstances where our back's up against the wall, and God's standing there saying, I'm right here. Are you going to come get me or not? Are you going to come and pursue me or not? It's okay to be the aggressor. Now listen, I'm not... I'm not some people right here, and especially those on the internet that might hear this a year down the road, they might say, oh, he's, he's preaching on, you know, their, their works doctrine. No, 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 no. Listen, I understand that we are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and I understand that we love him because he first loved us. I understand that God initiated everything in the relationship. I give the Lord credit for that. Somebody say amen. But when you are in relationship with the Lord, it's okay to jump on board with his promises and to pursue him and to seek him with everything inside of you. And can I tell you, it won't always come naturally. But seek the Lord. You won't always feel like wanting to do the things to find God, but seek the Lord anyway. It's not always fun. But seek the Lord. It takes discipline. But seek God. The blessings of a good God on somebody's life, they aren't a matter of happenstance. I'm going to say that one again. The blessings of the good God on someone's life, they are not a matter of happenstance. You showed me a blessed marriage, you show me a strong marriage, and I will show you a couple that work at their marriage. You show me somebody that's in in tight relationship with their children, I will show you individuals that work at that relationship. It it doesn't just happen, you know, well, we just lucked into this thing. No, 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 that's not the way it is with the Lord. These things do not happen as a result of a relationship on autopilot. We have to be in pursuit of this good God. The scripture said, if you seek God, you will lack in no good thing. Through the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs and the good times and the bad times, if you will constantly seek this good God, if you will stay in the word of God, if you will stay in prayer, if you will stay in devotion daily, fervently, even when you don't want to. Let's be honest. I'm going to be honest. There's times that going through the disciplines, I don't want to be there. I don't want to, but there's something inside of me that compels me because of the goodness of God down deep in my heart of hearts. I understand he's good and he's for me. He's not against me. That drives me and compels me to seek God even when I don't really feel like it. And and there's always the benefit of a tighter, stronger relationship with the Lord. Constantly seek the Lord. Many people have trouble with this because they take it to mean 
If, if, I, if I seek after God, I'll get, exactly, I'll get exactly what I want. And all these material or temp- temporal things that the Lord will bless me with will satisfy. Can I tell you that God only satisfies? God only satisfies. They tried pursuing Him, but it didn't work or pay off like they thought it would. So they simply quit. They pushed Him aside, growing cold and indifferent. But God alone satisfies. And the blessings are a natural consequence of seeking God and pursuing Him. Listen, your, your, your big house and your high-paying job and all that kind of stuff, that's wonderful. Those are blessings of the Lord, but that isn't the thing that should truly satisfy you down deep. Only God. All those things are a natural consequence and an overflow of the blessing of the tight relationship that you have with the Lord. Amen? Listen, often quoted scripture, Jeremiah chapter 29 Verse 11, it's a great promise. We, we, we hear it all the time. We read it all the time. But when you re- I'm not even going to read it because we hear it so much, but I'm going to go on. When you read on past that, two verses later, excuse me, one verse later, verses 12 and 13, it says this, that you will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Listen to what he says. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's what the scripture says. The following two verses that often quoted scripture we use. Listen, your purpose, your joy, your blessing, your reward in Christ only comes through seeking and through searching. It is not happenstance. It's seeking and longing and searching and plodding and trotting and going after those things. But you get some people that say, well, Josh, I have sought, but I can't seem to find him. Listen, I read a quote, and you need to hear this. It was written by a famous Christian monk of years past, by a guy by the name of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, and it says this, that he alone is God who can never be sought in vain, not even when he cannot be found. Did you hear that? I didn't either. The first time I read it, I didn't get it either. Let me say it again. He alone is God who can never be sought in vain, not even when he cannot be found. In other words, what he's saying is, it's never a waste of time. It's never a waste of time to search after God. Even when when you are searching and you are longing and you're seeking God and and it seems like he is so distant or he's keeping you at arm's length and you can't find him and you're pursuing, there's a purpose in that. You may not understand what the purpose is, but he does. He knows what comes to pass. And I'm going back to my original point. Some of you are saying, well, yeah, Josh, how can I know that for sure? Because he's a good God. That's how. You have to trust him down deep in your heart of hearts that God is good. And when you cannot find him and you're longing and you're searching, you have to say, okay, God, there's a purpose and a point to this. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep plotting. And you will show up. You can never search for God in vain. Keep longing. Keep pursuing. He's a good God. There is purpose. In the searching. And God will often use adversity. We don't like that one. He'll often use pain. He'll often use problems as motivators, motivators to get us to seek Him and His goodness. He knows that we can so easily take our blessings for granted which will stop our pursuit of Him. Many times, not all the time, hear me now, not all the time, I'm not trying to make a doctrine out of this one, not all the time, but God will allow trouble and hardship to motivate us to pursue Him. And I know that ain't popular preaching. That ain't popular preaching here in, you know, take it easy, 21st century American Christianity. That ain't going to get a lot of, ain't going to sell a lot of books with that one, somebody. But you have to, some people say, well, Josh, I, I don't believe that. Well, then look at the life of Job. If you don't believe that one, look at the life of Job. A righteous man. 
And look at the things that befell him. But because of his, his, his steadiness and because of he, he pursued the Lord in the middle of tragedy and destruction. And at the end of things, God doubly, he was found, uh, he, he found the Lord and the Lord doubly blessed him because of those things. And through all of those troubles, Job pursued God and God pursued Job and they became all the more real and intimate. Are you hearing me now? So I want to tell some of you, don't waste your life ignoring God. Did you hear me? Don't waste your life ignoring God. If you seek me, I will direct your life. If you will acknowledge him and pursue, the Lord will do these things. You know what? You know what the Lord, this dropped into my spirit this afternoon as I was just reviewing this. It was like the Lord just simply said, Josh, you know what tonight needs to be? And I, and I just, you know, was talking to the Lord. I don't know if you all ever do. Anybody else ever do that? And it wasn't pizza because I didn't have no pizza, I can tell you. It was the Lord on this one, somebody. And I was just in conversation with the Holy Spirit, and I felt the Lord just drop this. He said, Josh, tonight needs to be a search party. Tonight needs to be a search party. And, you know, if you ever turn on a television story, you ever watch the news and somebody gets lost, and all the police and all the authorities and all the community will come together, we're going to get a search party together. We're going to get the dogs and we're going to get the flashlights. If it's at nighttime, we're going to get our garb on. We're going to gear up for this thing. We're going to, we're, you know, we're going to patrol this area. We're going to look for clues. We're going to seek. We're going to search. And we're, going to not, we're not going to stop until we find him. And for some people tonight, this service needs to be nothing more than a search party. Where you long and you search and you go after the Lord through the worship, through the word, through prayer. And you make your life an environment of one where the pursuit of God is a natural thing for you. The great A.W. Tozer, he said this. He said, there will be no, manif no manifestation of God to his people apart from earnest seeking, period. It's not, it's not, not going to be a happenstance thing. If you want God to show up in power and authority and great things in your life, you have to search for it. You have to long. This is why indifference is the worst thing to any relationship. Because indifference just removes the need and the longing and the want to. It takes the emotion out of everything. And you just put things on autopilot and whatever will be, will be. And the whole time God is saying, no, 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 no. Not, none of this whatever will be, will be. Pursue me. Long for me. Seek for me. I want you to find me. Am I making sense tonight, church? Some people would say, yeah, well, A.W. Tozer, he seems to have been born for greatness. That's just not for me. He had a natural interest in that sort of stuff, and I just don't. Can I tell you, that is absolutely wrong thinking. God is not a respecter of persons in that sense. Tozer was not born, he was not born some giant of the faith. He was a person of flesh just as we are. But he, like so many others, learned the utmost value and importance of seeking hard after God. He didn't develop a powerful relationship by, with God by accident or because he was any more special to God. He learned to, he learned to consistently seek after God, this good God. Closing tonight, I'm going to ask Pastor John and the worship team to come. I'm about to wrap this thing up in just a moment. We're going to be ready to go into an altar service here in just a minute. And I'm going to ask you to turn your spirit's attention to the whole thought of making this thing a search party tonight. I'm not talking about dragging out some long altar service for the sake of dragging it out. But I'm talking about making it a search party in the sense of where you are gearing yourself up for seeking the Lord. You say, well, Josh, that's just simple, basic. Yeah. But how many of us are willing to do it? Come on. Make your life an environment to where God is a regular participant in your life. Where he is a daily participant. I love the scripture in Genesis where it says, And Adam and Eve, you know, before the fall, how they would walk in the cool of the day and the Lord would come down. It was, it was just this, this daily presence of God. And we as a church, if we're going to see the manifestations and these prophecies as it were spoken of earlier in, in, in this morning's service that were talked about a little bit, if we're going to see those things... They are, they are not going to come on a church that just says, well, thank God for the promise. Now let's just sit back and lean back and wait till it shows up. No, God is saying, you have got to pursue this thing. 
you got to gear up and you you got to long for it. And listen, some of you are saying, I know where you are. I'm not throwing stones. I've been there at, at points and times in my life. We say, but Josh, it's, it's hard, you know. It's, I, I, I have prayed. I have tried all of this. Listen, I have been there too, but I want to go back to what I said. It is not in vain. If, if, mm, I, mm. if God is not speaking to you like you think he should be, you have to trust him that he's doing what needs to happen in spite of what you want to happen. Is he good or is he not? Is he good or is he not? Are you hearing me? And you search for the Lord and you long for the Lord. I remember, I ain't trying, oh, I feel like I've been up here too long. I remember when my kids were little, y'all can start playing. And when they're real little, I'm, I'm talking when they were real little, we would play hide and seek. And when they're, when they're real little, you know, two or three years old, sometimes we'd play hide and seek and, and you're kind of putting it on their level, so to speak. And so sometimes, you know, they, they would come searching for dad. They'd come looking for me and, and, you know, they'd be like sitting on the couch. And, All right, now, you, you know, they didn't even know how to count. I'm serious, they didn't even know how to count. They'd just sit there and mumble something, act like they knew what they were saying. I mean, little kid, they didn't even know how to count. They would just, blah, 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 blah. And I'd go over to the other end of the couch, and I would take a pillow, and I would just put it over my head, and I'd act like I was hiding from them. My big old body was hanging out the rest of the couch, and my head's covered up. And, of course, you know, they little kids, they'd come to, and, and oh, you know, there, ha, ha, there's Dad, I found you, I found you, you know. And then, of course, as they get a little bit older... You kick it up a notch. You kick it up a notch. You play hide and seek with them, and you go hide in places. You make it a little more difficult for them, so so that so that in, in this case the game is more fun. It's more on their level. It's training them to look. You know, it's a little bit harder. And then they find you, and there's even more excitement. And then, you know, now like not that we've ever done this, but if they ever wanted to play a game of hide and seek, I'm liable to get up on the roof, go outside or something. You know. You know, stay out there all night long. Well, Dad left us. I don't know. He's he gone. Mom, call the cops. I don't know where. He, you know? I mean, if we're going to play hide and seek, we're going to play hide and seek. You know what I'm saying? You better, you better get the search party out. But in all seriousness, it, it's, it's about developing relationship with the Lord. And there is something to be said about a longing and an energy and an effort that gets put into it. And here's what's so powerful about whenever the kids would come and find me, or and this goes for any hide and seek. It's not that you win some big reward at the end of the thing, like, oh, here's 20 bucks or nothing like that. No, the reward is you. They have found you. And the same can be said about our relationship with the Lord is that, you know, Again, times and issues and problems and circumstances come about and they cause us to press in. But here's what so many people do. I don't know if you've ever played hide and seek. with. I did this all the time growing up. We would play hide and seek. We'd even play hide and seek when I was a teenager. And I mean, we'd be like crazy stuff. Get up in rafters, you know, and deck out in camo. And we, we, there were times, one time I hid my cousin's house for over two hours. Up in the rafters of the place, I about suffocated to death. I ain't even kidding you. But we would, we would take this stuff so seriously. And, and, but the point of here's what happens to so many people. They'll, they'll jump into playing the game of hide and seek. And when it's not happening like they think it should or as quickly as it should, they'll start, well, I'm, I'm done. Are y'all hearing me now? I'm, I'm done. I ain't playing this stupid game. Where are you? I'm, I'm sick of this. I'm done. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I ain't playing anymore. And they'll get all mad and sulk and all this kind of stuff. And, and they'll just go off and pretend like they don't care when in all actuality they do care. And then what happens is if, if, you, they, if you don't jump out, oh, okay, well here, what happens is they'll just all of a sudden get indifferent. Well, I really don't care. You're taking this so serious. I don't even care. This ain't even worth it anymore. I'm done with this. 
Are y'all hearing me tonight? You see the danger in this stuff. Every person needs to hear the scripture I'm about to say, and it's this, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 5. It says, He saw God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. Here's what I want you to get. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. That's... That's a promise for him and that's a promise for you. I'm not saying that issues and problems and struggles and temptations and worries and things won't befall you and won't come down on you. But what I am saying is, is that if you will pursue God in the midst of that anyway, God will prosper you. He will bring you through that stuff. And not only will he bring you through it, but he will, he will raise you up and cause you to prosper above and beyond that stuff. Now listen to verse 16 of the same chapter. Here's the danger. Here's the word of warning. Oh. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. In other words, prideful. To his destruction... For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. There is a danger and blessing, and it's this. When you think you're strong, we tend to think it's about our own doings that got us there, but when we are actually weak, he becomes strong. So, so it goes like this. When I am weak, he is strong. And when I am strong... He tends to become weak in my life. Come on. Is that true? So the challenge in this is to seek this good God when we are blessed or distressed. And as long as I seek the Lord, He will make me to prosper. As long as I don't get indifferent or cold, the most dangerous time in a person's walk with the Lord is a prosperous time and it's often then that we just we tend to just bump along in life and, and go through the routine and become indifferent but it doesn't have to be that way it don't have to be that way if you'll seek him through the good times and the bad and the ups and the downs he will give you blessing he will give you honor he will give you the strength that you need He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you the finances that you need. He'll bless your family. He'll bless your wife. He'll bless your children. All throughout Scripture. I love it. The Lord promises that those that will seek Him, you will find Him. That is a promise all throughout Scripture. You say, prove it. Okay. First Chronicles 28, verse 9. If you seek him, he will be found by you, period. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Oh, now that's New Testament. Some of you say, well, I can really believe it now. Okay. And when he is found, there is a great reward because this is what it says. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who what? Seek him. Seek Him. Pursue Him. Psalm 105 verse 4. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Continually. That's the Word of God. So the question tonight. I'm going to ask person, every person to stand if you would. I know. I know I'm preaching. As we, as we make in our declaration, I know I'm preaching to the faithful remnant here. I know that. But the same concern, the same worry of indifference can befall any of us if we're not careful. And if certainly not us, then certainly we know people. We know people that maybe fall into this category. I know people, you know, I wouldn't dare mention names. I know people right now that are absolutely furious with God. 
furious with him. They, they're just vitriol in their remarks. And, and please do not misunderstand me. I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying that's smart. I'm not saying that's wise. But I will say this. At least they're talking about him. At least they believe in him. Or they wouldn't be trash talking him so bad. And God ain't afraid of your trash talk. Listen, I, I'm not saying go ahead and do it. I'm not, I'm not condoning that. But it's a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother thing to get to the point to where, to where is that scripture I said earlier, where God is just so far removed from your thoughts. You're just, I don't care. I'm just indifferent. Whatever he wants to do, I, I don't care. If he's real, great. If he's not, good, care less. That's a whole nother level. That's a dangerous place. Now listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask for just for a moment. I felt like the Lord dropped this into my spirit earlier this afternoon as I was just kind of thinking and praying about this. I feel like the altar service is, is open for anyone, of course. We'll pray with anybody about anything, but, but I felt like there's two categories of people, and it's this, maybe... Have, and number one, I want to tell you to have the bravery to do so. But if you fall in this category tonight, and you say, Josh, I've been there at a place of indifference in my walk with the Lord. I'm just going through the routines. I'm going through the patterns. I'm going through the motions. I'm trying to keep up appearance. I, I'm trying to keep up appearance sake. Listen, you go through the routine. You can be religious all you want. But there's no place for indifference. There's no place for indifference. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you forward. And we want to pray with you. That's the first category of people. I'm going to ask you to step out right now. That's the first category of people. And while I'm, while I'm getting ready to invite the second group, I want you to come forward if that's you. And the second group is this. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being obedient. The second group is this. Maybe you know somebody that is indifferent. Maybe you know somebody. And I really felt like the Lord told me, Josh, I want him to... I want him to stand in the gap tonight for just a minute. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe, you know, whatever the case may be. Maybe you know somebody that is in this place of just, you know, just cold-hearted indifference toward anything. And they just don't, they just don't care. And the challenge in that is I'm going to ask you to come if you'd be willing to stand in the gap. If you would literally come up to the altar, we're going to pray for them. As you stand in the gap for them, we want to pray for those individuals. And my challenge to you, church, is this. Seek God. Pursue God. He is a good, good God. He is worth pursuing. And if you want to see God become more real and more intimate in your walk, and, and, and as crazy and as foreign as it may sound to you, you say, well, Josh, if I do this, you mean to tell me that I'll actually get to the place where I want to see? Yes. Yes, you will. You will long for His presence. You will long to be in, 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 in connection with Him. You will long to be at a place where you can't wait to get into devotion. Yes, there will be distractions. Yes, the enemy will come. Yes, the enemy will fight you. Yes, the enemy will wear you down. There will be fatigue. Of all, yes, 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 of course all that. I'm not saying they won't. But as you continue to pursue and seek and push and keep looking and keep searching you will begin to find God in, in, and, and your walk will just with the Lord will just go to a whole nother level. It'll take on a new dimension. And as you keep searching, you will find another dimension. As you keep longing, you will find another dimension. You will learn more. You will grasp more. Many have come. Many have come. Now, I'm going I'm, I'm to ask... I'm going to be so bold as to ask. I need some help in the altar. Many have come. This is for these that have come. And I need some help in the altar. And, and I'm telling you, the Lord, He already laid it on my heart. I want this, this altar to just be filled with worship and praise for a few moments. 
I'm going to invite the rest of you that would, that would be willing. Would you just come down? You're going, you're going, to, help, you're going to help the altar service tonight by your presence. Up here. You can remain standing. You can pray for these up here if you want to. Or if you say, Josh, that's fine. I just want you to come up, raise your hands. Get ready to worship. Get ready to worship. Because this is what I really feel like the Lord was laying on my heart about this, this time right now. About this particular moment for the rest of the church, that part of the church is willing to come. And it's this. You guys, you are part of the search party tonight. You're part of the search party. And as we enter into worship, as Pastor John gets ready to sing in the praise team, we're going to enter into worship and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit down in power and authority and pray that the Lord, and I don't know what God's going to do, that's up to Him. If people need to be saved, let them be saved. If they need to be healed, let them be healed. If they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, let them be filled with the Holy Ghost. But we're going to help set an atmosphere of worship and praise to where the Spirit of God comes down so that these that are here, all they got to do is just reach out and touch Him. They found Him. He's right here. We brought Him down for them. Can we do that for a few moments? Will we do that? Let's pray for these and let's just worship the Lord with everything inside of us for a few moments.